You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hello and welcome to our SWPL Return Special. I'm John and I'm delighted to be joined um, by a trio of panellists to help me out. Um, we've got um, regular Vinny um, and we've also got um, North East um, correspondent Dave Smith and um, BBC freelance commentator Stuart Mitchell. How are you all doing, gentlemen? Very well, thanks, John. Uh, pleasure to be on with four fine men. <laughs> John, thank you very much for having me back on. An, an absolute pleasure to be here again to discuss all things SWPL. Hi everyone, I'm good. Nice to see you all again. Yeah, good to good to have you all come back on and talking about all things women's football. We try and give this as much as a publicity as we can and we're trying something different with a magazine type show and hopefully it goes well. So we'll start off um, in SWPL1 um, unsurprisingly at the top of the, um, the table. Um it's a three-horse race. I mean, we knew that from day one. It was going to be a three-horse race between Glasgow City, Rangers and Celtic. It's very tight up there. Glasgow City, five points clear with a game in hand. Um, and But yet, they're the ones that are looking for a manager right now, thanks to the departure of Ireland Gleeson before, um, before Christmas there. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I think um, it, it maybe took us by surprise that Eileen um, left. Um, it's not been a long tenure there, but announced today was the reason why she left. Um, with a, a a very important job to do uh, in her native Ireland. Um, so yeah, a, a vacant manager's spot there. Um, although I think Leanne Ross uh, got off to a, a fine start last weekend. So I, I wonder, will they try and see out the season and, and, and try and build from there? I'm, I'm not quite sure. Um, I, I, I don't know if there's been any rumblings about anyone else getting involved. Did you hear anything, Stuart? I've not heard anything, but I, I agree with you there that I think that the stability is there with Leanne Ross, so things don't really change too much. Um, it's probably a similar situation to what we we saw at the start of the season, where you know it's going to be tight and you know it's just going to be a week to week battle, and when those matchups happen, it's going to play a big part, but. Leanne Ross is Glasgow City as well and she'll be able to keep the stability because it wasn't just Eileen Gleeson's stamp, it was it was her stamp too and I think she just recently qualified for the array badges just at the end of December there too so I think you know the way that Glasgow City handle themselves and the way they've, they've come through all their success, Leanne Ross is probably the perfect person to be in, in the system just now to keep things going. I think having somebody like Leanne Ross and the calibre and experience that she has is a, a good thing for, for all parties concerned because from a Leanne Ross perspective, it allows uh, Leanne to get that management experience. Being your own person in comparison to being the assistant is two totally different dynamics and, and, and things altogether because being a manager, you're basically bamboozled with making decisions left 24-7. Uh, and, and for Glasgow City, as you say, guys, obviously Glasgow City have stability. Also, they have a club legend in Leanne Ross because Leanne Ross has served that club with distinction for such a long time. Will Leanne Ross get the job? It's an interesting one because is Leanne Ross ready for a management job of Glasgow City stature? There's an argument with that. But at exactly the same time, is there better candidates than Leanne Ross? Right now, if there's applicants coming in, you can arguably say yes. If not, then Leanne Ross would be the, the, the attractive, attractive cross position as far as as far as that as that's club's concerned. So it's gonna be an interesting one. But I, I think times on Glasgow City side here. I think um Leanne Ross is in pole position right now. I mean, as as you guys have been saying, I mean she's Glasgow City through and through. She's she's won multiple um titles and trophies with the club um as a player, also represents her country um along well. She um she's been coaching for a good few years now, so it's it's not as if she's just came out um from her coaching badge straight into um an assistant job for a year. She's been doing this for a good couple of years, both with Scotland and with Glasgow City. So this is um I think if she continues to do well, it's going to be hard for Laura Montgomery to not give her the job. However, um, I mean, let's be honest, any appointment comes with an element of risk, but I think she's in poor position right now. I think the one thing that maybe it's sometimes 
you don't see what goes on behind the scenes. And when Scott Booth left and, and Grant Scott came over and was just an interim charge because Glasgow City knew what they wanted at that point and it was holding out for Eileen Gleeson. You never know what they have up their sleeve in the background either. But Leanne Ross is there um, as a really, really strong option. But you never know, there might be another kind of wee appointment in the background that people aren't expecting that might get announced at some point too. I mean, I know you're, you're smiling there when I'm saying that. I have no inside info, absolutely, on that. Given that for the, for the sake of the, of the debate, because, you know, when it comes to the success that Rangers have had recently, it really needs a Glasgow City challenge. They, they don't want to be dropping away. Rangers have just won the League Cup already this season. They'll have their eyes and keeping their hands on the SWPL trophy too. So whether it's Leanne Ross or someone else that comes in to take charge of the team, success has to be the target, of course. I, th- I think Leanne Ross ticks all the boxes for Glasgow City as well. Obviously, we know about her uh, renowned playing career. But at exactly the same time, she ticks all the boxes uh, for being a manager and a Stuart kind of alluded to as well. But also, last season was a bit of a transition period for Glasgow City, I felt, because they made so many changes with Grant Scott and then Eileen Gleeson and... There was there wasn't enough time to get a blend because uh, people in football are big believers that you should be in pre-season in order to make your own to stamp your own authority and things. Whilst Eileen came came in in January, November, I think it was November, and there wasn't enough time for her to stamp her authority on 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 the side. So last season was a bit of a transition, but I think Glasgow City have got their act together a little bit, and it's the perfect. Uh, marriage as far as Leanne Ross is concerned. Yeah, we're interested to see what Glasgow City do um, going forward. Um, she's off to fire in terms of beating Hamilton in the um, Scottish Cup and um, beating Spartans um, last night in the um, rearranged league game. So it's two wins, eight goals, and then conceding those two. And if that continues, she'll be doing well. Um, Rangers are currently two points, sorry, five points behind Glasgow City. They will be um, two points behind if they win their game in hand. They've been unbeaten since June 2021. As Stuart mentioned, they're defending champions. They've won the SWPL Cup. Are they still the favourites? Yeah, I, I, sorry, I'll jump in there, John. Um, I, I think we're, we're seeing a really, really good title race uh, this year. Um, but you look at Rangers' dominance, Celtic have also had their slip-up uh, against City. I, I call it a slip-up, but that was I, we spoke about that last time, um, just how terrific a, a match that was. Um, so slip-ups maybe a wee bit strong because it was a, a really good battle. Um, but I, I, I think Rangers maybe do just edge it ever so slightly. It will come down to these head-to-heads again, um, but they, they look really strong, don't they? Yeah, it's a funny yeah. word that... So, sorry, sure, I'll go. I was just going to say, it's a funny word, that favourite. It's because, as, as Vinny just says there, when it comes to the head-to-heads, it feels that that favourite tag just jumps about or it can have the potential to whenever those head-to-heads come up. And because the gap that's there at the moment between Rangers and Glasgow City, I think... There'll be a lot of people that will have Glasgow City as the favourites, but on the back of the SWPL Cup, there'll be a lot of people that have Rangers as favourites with the tag because of the success that they're starting to enjoy and, and get a bit of momentum from that as well. But then Celtic, I mean, we saw a couple of seasons ago that they were just able to come up through Fran Alonso doing the little bits of work and just putting that pressure on and taking those opportunities to, to make a fight of it as well and then and claiming European football at the end of that. So, I mean, the favourites tag for me is, is so tough because it feels like it could switch so many times. It's just like a magnet. You could just change it about the way you want to, depending on those head-to-heads. I don't want to say boring here. I don't want to say boring here, but I think it will come down to the head-to-heads between Glasgow City and Rangers. I mean, Celtic will have an important say in how this title race prevails, but uh, and I'm looking forward to the intrigue to see how Celtic get on against both Glasgow City and Rangers because they do put up competitive fights. So let's not, not rule out Hibs here, not in terms of the title race, but let's not rule out Hibs in terms of perhaps them giving a shock to Glasgow City and Hibs, such as what they provided to Glasgow City in the Sky Sports Cup. So that's going to be pretty interesting. And I'm intrigued to see how it, how it all goes. But I think Rangers are, are finding uh, a correct blend now. They've obviously scored freely against uh, some of the sides around the bottom end of the table. They've got a few interesting games coming up. And uh, if the bet was a big thing in football, so uh, I don't think Glasgow City Rangers have any of the so-called bigger sides in the next couple of weeks. So the bet was going to be a big thing and it will set itself up for an entertaining encounter whenever it comes. 
Okay. I don't. I um, think... That's an interesting point um, that you make about um, Hibs possibly having a say because they're capable of raising their game against these teams. But I don't think Rangers have dropped a point to anyone apart from City or Celtic in the last two years, which is quite frightening um, as well. But yes, it's going to be interesting. Celtic, as as Vena mentioned. I've already blinked so much in this title race because they lost that last minute goal to to City and they're the only ones to have lost a game so far. Um, now they've lost Clarissa Larissa this week to Hacking. That is a massive blow. Now obviously they were getting money and for Larissa, she's going to um, Sweden, which is a better league at the moment, a more competitive league um, than Scotland as things stand. Um, but how big a loss is that going to be? I know they lost um, Charlie Wells at the start of the season and they've done okay with her. But this seems as though it's going to be a, just as big, if not a bigger loss. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think so. I, I, she was so impressive. Just hit the ground running when, when she came. Um, I think it's, it's, it's a big loss because it's goals. And like you say, Charlie Wellens going was a big loss in terms of goals. Potentially an even bigger loss is uh, uh, Ashford Clifford out long-term injured as well. I think that's another ACL injury. There's plenty going on about that. A, a great um, read that on the BBC website uh, on that at the moment if anyone wants to look that up about ACL injuries in the women's game. Um, but Lucy Ashford uh, Clifford being out, I think that's huge because you, you need to goal scorers but you need someone to provide the chances and she, she was phenomenal. What a first half of the season she had. Uh, obviously, like Amy Gallagher's still there, and she knows the league very well, and she's slotted in beautifully at, at Celtic. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think uh, uh, Larissa going is, is going to be big. I think between those two issues, for me, that will rule Celtic out of the title. I, I, I think I know. Well, we keep saying it, come down to the head-to-heads between the teams, but just those two very, very high-quality players being missing. I think might be the difference for Celtic. So for me, it's between City and Rangers uh, for the title. Although, uh, you know, you guys have just said that Celtic will, will play a, a role in that. They'll, they'll provide a, a very difficult challenge uh, to the rest of the teams in the league. Yeah, uh, your point about Ashford Clifford is uh, spot on because I mean to have two blows like that almost back to back when you consider them at the games that have been played and the time between as well is is really really tough for Celtic. You mentioned Amy Gallagher. I mean, one thing about Fran Alonso is he's really been strong in his recruitment in his years at Celtic. I feel that he loses players, but he's always able to replace them. I mean, even Sarah Harks earlier in the season when her retirement was announced was another one that it, it felt like. You know, there was a long time until the announcement was made, but Celtic had to make, make their preparations to sort of fill any spaces that, with her dropping out. Um, and, and they managed to do that with Lisa Robertson coming back, who's another one that, that Celtic have lost in the past on loan to Birmingham City. So there is, there is a little bit of that kind of revolvement around the, the Celtic squad. But Fran Alonso does really well, well at getting the best out of those players. And ultimately, that's what will happen is players like Calissa Larissa will get noticed and then those moves will, will come about too. I think there's a lot of youth at Celtic too that, that seems to be highly spoken of. Uh, Maria McInerney and Tyree Butcher will be two you'll know have come through quite recently and have got their first goals as well. So that will really spur them on and they'll really want to make a mark too. And specifically, they're two players that have had experience in the league last season. So they're probably at a really good time to try and challenge for that, that kind of starting place or, or more involvement in Fran Alonso's squad. And... It, We've seen it. He's he's Fernando Celtic go to the end just like a Celtic do as a Celtic team and as a club, and I wouldn't write them off because of that. I would say I would say the striker department Celtic is as possessive at the time as the only weak link in the Celtic side, and that's not a bad thing. But in a sense of imagination, it's because they've lost quality and well and and Larissa. Because when you look at it, Celtic's got arguably three of the best midfielders in the league, and Robertson, Gallagher, and Natalie Ross. I think Chloe Craig's going to be a massive player for Celtic in the second half of the season. She's quite good in terms of scoring goals uh, on that show. Uh, so I think she's going to be massive and also she can obviously get up and down, down, uh, ball and forward as well. Defenders for Celtic have been good in scoring for under further ones, such as Kelly Clark and Caitlin Hayes. Kelly Clark's a real leader for Celtic. And the likes of your Robertson, your Clark, your Hayes uh, have all been uh, stalwarts for Celtic over the years and former cohesion. So, 
it's going to be interesting to see how they get on, but the striker department is the weak link, but that's not a bad thing by any stretch of imagination. I feel like we've been through nearly everybody, so but how, how have we not mentioned Jacinta? How have we not mentioned Jacinta? Because, part, you know, part of me, sure. But that, I think that's that's probably what you're looking at, is where Celtic, they have so many options, and they have done over the last couple of seasons, and if Jacinta's firing and can go and repeat her form from, from last year, and as she's been doing all this season so far, then chances will be made for, for Celtic attackers to take. I just want to make a very quick point, and something you touched on, Stuart, about the the, the youth at Celtic. The the guys know that I've uh, I've got a relative in uh, plays for the under 18s and has been in the first team a, a few times. Uh, we Claire Goldie, um, but I was at the under 18s cup final on Sunday there between City and Celtic, and I have to say, in both those teams, the quality of football was phenomenal. Um, you know, you know, played played in the right way as you would expect. Really hotly contested game big challenges going in so I think in both those sides there's a, there's a lot coming through at the moment which is really encouraging because again we'd spoken about it in this podcast before looking at some of the, the international youth results it was uh, looking a wee bit grim <laughs> so it was, uh, it was very refreshing to go to that under 18 cup final um, and, and, and see so many talented players um, on show it was, it was a terrific game yeah, congratulations to the young Glasgow um, City team for winning that cup. Um, in terms of the, um, you know, almost the best of the rest, I mean, Hearts are looking in a really solid position at the moment. Um, they are sitting on 25 points, um, seven points clear of their City rivals, Hibs. Um, the transition from Eva Ollard has been fantastic. In fact, there's an argument that she could be manager of the season in my eyes. I mean, when she came in, Hearts were in a bit of a difficult place, still adjusting to life in the top flight. Um, but she's had that year of transition. They're now adopting more of a semi-pro model and it's been through it. And they deserve to be uh, in fourth place. And even when they're playing the big three, they're not getting hammered like they used to. The thing the the thing about Hearts is, John, is um, they've obviously created a, a foundation, a philosophy. And, I mean, Eva Holland has been back with resources. I don't think resources has been the biggest benefactor that's surrounded uh, the, the good work that Hearts have done. I mean, Eva Holland got appointed a couple of weeks before the start of the season last term. And you, well, for those that don't understand or don't acknowledge, uh, there was a lot, obviously, COVID restrictions and um, s- travel from Spain to Scotland meant you had to go and uh, quarantine for a fortnight. So by the time that passed, Hearts' SRPL1 league uh, campaign or it was the League Cup, Cup campaign already passed and even though we didn't have a lot of time to go work with the players and last season was a bit of a transition period, period in the season for Hearts and uh, it clicked towards the end. They got a few good victories against Aberdeen, just for example. They gave a few top teams some good games such as Hibs and all my competitive against City Rangers and self respectively. And then this season, um, always took their own players, Emma Brownley, Caitlin Mickey, uh, Tibbs, the striker Georgia Tibbs, is it? Uh yeah. Rennie. I know Erin from a time for for Farmington, very good player. I know Amy Anderson, I'm a, I like Amy Anderson, good football player about her. So they've got a lot of good players at hearts and uh, yeah, I'm I'm impressed by the job Eva's doing at the club. It's standards. I don't know how many people listening or have ever spoken to her or listened to her speak, but she constantly seems to be passing over these standards and the demands that she makes, not only as at Hearts as a club, but from the players individually as well. Um, she spoke a couple of times to, the, to us when we've done the online streaming matches and afterwards has spoke about how she's wanting to change the mentality when they're playing against these top three teams. But also, when they are playing in any other game, the different ways that it takes to win, to pick up the three points. Sometimes you have to manage the game, sometimes it'll be good football. And all round, the intelligence that she has, that she's brought into those players, I think, and the whole sort of teamwork ethic of it is, is something that's massive. She maybe has been disappointed after a couple of those games against Rangers, Celtic, Glasgow City and wanted more from the performance. But I think that's something that you could only benefit from because those standards will keep being driven higher and higher. She'll keep wanting to push and push and push 
And then there's still a couple of matchups this season where I think she'll be wanting Hearts to be the one, and not Hibs to, to have a say in that title race and to, to inflict a bit of damage to what's happening at the top of the table. Um, taking on Rangers this weekend on Sunday as well. And they'll relish going up against the SWPL cup holders and, and trying to, to put a mark on them after getting back to action too. So I think that Hearts are one you should, whether they're in a solid position in the table or not, they're closer to third place than they are to fourth, if I, if I remember rightly. So that's not settled there. The Hearts will want to keep doing the work that they're doing for the rest of the season and keep pushing it. Why not? They'll, they'll want to reach Celtic. They want to keep going, pick up the results and, and hopefully put a, pressure, a bit of pressure on third place. I think that's exactly where they'll be looking at the moment, at least. Just before Vinny comes in, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Hearts a week on Sunday when they go up and play against Aberdeen uh, up, up here in the northeast of Scotland. Uh, I'll be a chilly one, Hearts, if you're uh, watching this or listening to this part of me. But uh, yeah, uh, I think the Rangers game on Sunday coming up for Hearts is a good barometer for, as far as Hearts are concerned because uh, they've obviously been competitive against Hibs. They picked up a credible 1-1 draw against them uh, a few weeks ago in, in the uh, Easter Road. Fantastic uh, advert for women's football that day in question. But at exactly the same time, they've been doing very, very well and beating the sides at the bottom end of the league. But I think uh, it'll be interesting to see where Hearts are at just now when they play against the side of Rangers' caliber. I'm looking forward to seeing how, how they get on over the next few weeks. So I'll be compelled and we'll take a, a more intense look at how they're getting on over the next couple of weeks. I think for Hibs as well, just in, in, in this point too, when we were speaking about both of them, I mean, that's going to be a really, really enjoyable battle to watch between the two of them because now that Dean Gibson's had Hibs to that final against Rangers, although they didn't, they didn't get their hands on the trophy... It gives Hibs the taste again of you know, a team that we've known as making finals year on year and season upon season and, and being a big challenger. So now that they've got back to that position in the final, again, they don't want Hearts taking that third place, eh, sorry, taking that fourth place, and they want to keep pushing for third place. So that is a battle as well. I mean, we've got the top six sort of side of things with the split coming up too, but there's always these little little rivalries and little battles that will continue throughout the season, which are going to be very, very interesting to watch as well. Yeah, in terms of, um, you know, Hibs, they're obviously battling with um, three other teams for the remaining top two spots, because let's be honest, I think it's looking likely Hearts is going to nail, um, you know, one of the top six spots. It's between Hibs, Partick Thistle, Mother and Spartans. There's five points between those sides. Vinny, I'll come to you first, because you've got a bit of a hand in this, and being a Thistle um, volunteer as well as a supporter. Um, who do you think um, are the? What do you think of that that competition for the other two places? Are you worried about Spartans and Motherwell making a comeback, or are you confident that Thistle could be good enough to keep themselves in there? Because Brian Graham, we speak about him a lot. Job he's done's been fantastic. It, it really is. I think it surprised quite a lot of people. I've been lucky enough to, um, uh, you know, watch watch the girls training a few times. And, and the standards that uh, Brian and, and, and Doc and Stuart and Danica and, and um, the goalie coaches, uh, this was first choice, Jamie Smedden, um do, it's, it's, it's fantastic. You can see for a part-time team to have that that level at training and, and have those demands put upon them, it's not really a When you see that, it's not a surprise to see how high they are up, up the table. There's a real stability, there's a real togetherness in, in the squad as well. Um, there's players who have been there for a while now, which is really nice. And Brian Graham has recruited really well. Um, you know, in, in, in this podcast, we'll, we'll hear from Cara Henderson, who speaks highly of uh, her time she moved from Glasgow Women. She talks about the opportunity that's been given to her by uh, Brian and Doc. Um, everyone talks about the high standards, and it's it's brilliant to, to hear. I, th I think it's a you know a, a, a really great time to be a, a Thistle fan. And um, although I, I would have bitten your hand off for top six um, halfway through the um, halfway through the season, but having seen the games, we're, we're there on merit. So I, I think the message from from the Thistle camp would be to to, to bring it on. We've also got Spartans on. Uh, Sunday, which is huge. So straight away, there's a six-pointer, um, and it's going to be a, a brilliant run-in um, to, to to see who makes this top six. Exciting. 
I was going to say, I, I, I get the, the argument for it being a surprise with Partick Thistle, but on the other side, it's not a surprise when you look at the squad, Vinny. I mean, there's so much quality through there, and sometimes it, it's, it's like that kind of squad where you'll pick out one player and then forget the next. But, you know, just, I mean, even you, you run through the squad list, and I mean, Rebecca McGowan doesn't maybe score as many as she, as she did last season, and I just think there, there's always someone doing a job and the team spirit that Brian's built there is incredible. And you know what? Like, it would not surprise me to see them in the top six, but I understand where the word surprise comes from as a, as a, as a package at the same time. But yeah, the work that's been done by Brian and his coaching team, Stuart and everyone's fantastic. I, th- I think that's it. And, um, you know, I, th- I think Bex is a great example of someone who just gets on with it quite quietly. Lindsay Taylor's another one. She's added more and more goals to our, our game this season, which is brilliant to see. And you've, you've, you've yeah, to, totally taken the words out of my mouth there about just mentioning player by player. Claire Doherty playing at right back this season has just been phenomenal. She's <coughs> her, her work rate is, is brilliant. And I think a lot of people assume that Thistle, because you've got like Cheryl McCulloch and, and Demi Faulkner, who, you know, they're battlers, and Lindsay Taylor's a battler, but you've got you know, Cara Henderson, I'd said it before, I was worried when, when we lost Cara McBriarty um, at the start of the season, but you know, Cara Henderson has come in, you know, Jordan McClinton, you know, not everybody's starting all these games. Rachel Donaldson, there's just, like you said, there's there's a lot of quality in that team. Um, and it, I, I think when I saw it all coming together and getting to know the girls, it seemed like a bit of a mismatch in, in some points because there was a lot, a lot of battlers in there with a wee bit of flair, but it's gelled together beautifully. And uh, Fiona McIntyre and said it, and I mentioned it to Cara Henderson as well, nobody likes playing Thistle, and you can see why. Yeah, they've certainly um, done very well. And Brian Graham's another one that can put his name forward for um, potential manager of the year as well. But um, we'll see what happens soon now in um, May. Um, there's a bit of a battle going on between three teams um, to avoid uh, 11 spot. I mean, Aberdeen have managed to pull the gap back a little bit as they were looking rooted for a while. Um, but Dundee United in the first season um, will be kind of happy at the fact they're ninth, but um, there's only two points clear of Aberdeen with Hamilton sandwich in between the nine. Um, Aberdeen obviously looking for a new manager through the surprise um, departure of Emma Hunter and Gavin Beath. Um, still looking for managers we speak. Um, gents, where do you, who do you see right now as being the ones that are going to fall into that 11th place? Do you still think it'll be the Dons or do you think it'll be one of United or Hamilton? How do you see this shape? It's going to be some battle between the end of the season. But plus, these teams could make even proclaim to say if they're going to run, they could get top six, but it's unlikely from the position from what I can see. That's an interesting one, I think, because it all depends on who Aberdeen appoints as your manager. Uh, the last time Aberdeen United met, Aberdeen won, and that was ultimately Emma, Emma Hunter and Gavin Beefson's last game in charge of the Dons. Uh, Dungeon United have been a little bit erratic recently. They did get a good start to the season, United. Uh, Harty has done a tremendous job at Dungeon United. We have had that is just for fears. Um and yeah, they did start the season well. Uh, got a good job at Hutt and uh, I think they beat I think they beat Spartans, if I'm not mistaken, as well. So they've picked up some credible results and they've kind of went off the boil a little bit. They have been a little bit erratic recently and that's something that needs to change as far as United's concerned. If they can get back to the early season form, I think United will be fine. But uh, Hamilton did a bit of a, a funny one as well because they're a bit erratic just now as well. They were uh, obviously doing a really good start to the season, including being. Aberdeen, apologies, John. Uh, but in terms of you were at the game, in fact, were you? Would Hamilton beat Aberdeen? Yeah, well, I was at that game. Um, I think Aberdeen had lots of chances in that game, didn't take them, and Hamilton got the ones that they did. So it's football. <laughs> yeah, I think Aberdeen management uh, situation is very interesting. But I was making a point to yourself off air, John, that the, the two 0 scoreline against Hutchinson was a good win as far as Aberdeen's concerned, but at exactly the same time. Uh, if you were to look at it from the outside looking in, do you do you look at it and go, oh, what could happen next? Because Hutchinson Vale are an okay side, but are mid-table in the championship. So the fact I know Aberdeen will miss a few senior figures such as uh, Francisco Ogilvy and Ailey Shore and Donna Patterson and uh, other, other forward-thinking players, but 
the fact that it was only two nuggets Hutchinson Bale is a little bit concerning. And uh, I think the next few weeks will answer a lot of questions as far as Aberdeen is concerned. So it's rather intriguing at the bottom end of the table as well as the top. It's going to be really interesting this weekend, though. I mean, Aberdeen against Hamilton. I mean, we're speaking earlier about the matchups towards the top of the table. The matchups down at the bottom are going to be just as big and, and even crucially important for you know the future of, of whoever is loitering around in, in those relegation sort of places. I think one thing that you you can never write off of Hamilton is the, the, the toughness of the team. Gary Doctor and, and Robert Watson are, you know, guys that have taken Hamilton through some really, really tough moments and got a lot of success through it as well. But even last season, they've they've got a bit of stability with the, the way the league was um, recently. And this season, you know, I don't think many people who would have predicted a table would have put Hamilton above Aberdeen based on on what we saw um, on, on, on form from last campaign as well. But I think when it comes down to that sort of head-to-head, that's going to be the, the old six-pointer cliche, isn't it, when you, when you get them and I mean, coming up. I mean, the games are going to start coming so thick and fast that momentum's going to have a big say in it as well because you'll, you'll have the couple of midweek, midweek games that we've got in the card before the split happens and you've got a couple again on the other side of the split too. And, and that could all have a, a really, really big say in things. But... When it comes to the managerial situation, the the shoes at Emma Hunter are so such big ones to fill. Um, I mean, Gav Levy might be in a bit of a position just now where again stability is the the key word. And I know David's touching on the the one against Hutchison Vale there, but maybe it's just about you know settling things down again because it's been a little rocky patch. You get the high of the win at Tanadice against Dundee United, and then find out a couple of days later that. You know, both Gavin and and Emma have left, which was really shock news. I think to a lot of people, um, myself included, didn't see that one coming at all. So uh, it's a young squad at Aberdeen as well. And as much as the players know the club, it's maybe something that they haven't really had um, had to take on their shoulders and deal with. So it's maybe just about settling down and and just finding that sort of concrete stability again to settle things and and then build on from there for the rest of the season and try and and just keep pushing up the couple of places or a few places above where they are at the moment. Yeah, well, it'll be an interesting battle see who, um, you know, does find that 11th spot. I mean, Glasgow women might have something to say about, um, you know, because people are writing them off thinking that they're going to finish bottom. Um, it's not looking great for them. It's been a tough um, you know, learning cup for them coming up against, um, you know, into the, into the top flight for the first time. Um Will they end up with a point? That seems to be the big question right now because, you know, apart from a couple of games, they've not looked lightly. I'm going to reverberate the question a little bit, John, and say I hope there's a sense of positivity within Glasgow women yeah. in the last recent while because they, they got a good win in the league cup on, on Sunday. Uh, and then they've got a winnable uh, last 16 tie against Air United, which could give Glasgow women that sense of confidence again that they, they, they need because uh, as we've seen they've had plenty of brutal games against full-time opposition even Partick and Hearts are probably a step up in quality we all do respect to Glasgow women I mean, but they're probably a step up in quality in comparison so getting some uh, getting a win and a, a winnable tie air in the next round uh, of the cup that is could start to stand Glasgow with a good send now the week and the cup is two totally different dynamics at this precise moment of time but at exactly the same time winning breeds confidence and we'll just see if uh, that is a springboard for them or not that, that, that is um, some wild optimism there Dave but I do love it as, as a perfect Thistle Scotland fan I love that optimism <laughs> <laughs> Well, I certainly um, we wouldn't like to see anyone finish pointless, so let's hope that Glasgow women do get some points on the board. Although, from my perspective, I hope it's never against Aberdeen. <laughs> um, so, um, before we um, go into look at SWPL two, let's give our listeners a break from listening to us and hear from two people at the heart of the action in both leagues. You'll hear from Gart Cairn manager Robert McCallum shortly, but first, Vinny caught up with Partick Thistle midfielder Cara Henderson. Uh, so I'm here on a Tuesday evening uh, at Peters Hill Park. The rain's off momentarily and delighted to be joined on the Scottish Football Forums podcast by Cara Henderson. Hello, Cara. Hello. Uh, first of all, uh, how are you? 
I'm good, thank you. I'm um, not looking forward to tonight after Christmas, first night back, but I'm OK, thank Excellent. you. Excellent. And how was your New Year, Christmas, festive period? Yeah, no, it was good. It was good to um, have some time off and just rest up, but um, no, I'm looking forward to getting back at it now. Yeah, brilliant. And, um, you know, at the time of recording, you've got the, the Cup game coming up on Sunday against Queen's Park. Uh, how are you feeling about that? Looking forward to it, yeah. It's good to have a game back so early that's competitive. Um, I think we're all looking forward to it. Got a week to prepare and, yeah, we'll go into it confidence yeah and then Spartans after that uh, here at Peters Hill um, uh, which uh, I, th- I think it's one of those games that we're probably looking for a, a home win there it's when the team's in and around us um, so we're, we're, we're hoping for that um, with the way things have gone so far this season obviously going into the, the winter break in sixth position mm-hmm. um, how did that hold up to expectations for you and the rest of the team yeah, I mean, I definitely think it's where we want to be. I think um, the start of the season was really positive, but you know, we also have a lot of things that we know we can work on. So, um, Spartans will be a really good game. It's good to have it here at Peter's Hill, and you're right. You know, it's a game that you know we we, we definitely look to win and um, keep our keep around the top six because that's where we want to be. Yeah, brilliant. Um, and I think I, th- I was speaking to Fiona McIntyre, who is obviously a lot to do with women's and girls' football in, in Scotland at the moment. And she described Thistle as a team that nobody likes to play. I think that's uh, quite indicative of our style at times. We, we are stubborn, we're rigid. But you've brought a wee bit more flair to the team, I think it's fair to say. Uh, you're, you're fond of the, the odd trick and whatnot and creating a lot of chances as well. Um, would you say that's sort of your main strength? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think you know the coaches have really helped me since I've come in to sort of bring that side to my game. And I mean, the tricks are great when they come off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I've I've really enjoyed um, since I've come in, and um, the way that the team plays really suits me. And yeah, no, it's been really good to positive start to the year so far. Yeah, and obviously you had a great season with with Glasgow Women uh, last year, and you know lots of accolades from that. What would you say has been the main difference stepping up in terms of? Um, you know the quality in the league and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, I think I knew that there would be just from playing SWPL one teams and cup games and friendlies. But you know, it's just definitely everything's a couple of seconds quicker, a lot more physical. Um, I think that's been the main thing. Just doing things quicker is definitely something that I still need to work on. But it's been the biggest difference that you just don't have anywhere near the same time on the balls you did when you're in SWPL two. But I think it's a good jump to have made, um, and, I, and I think it's only going to be better for my career going forward that I keep getting pushed and you know I've, as I said the, the, the challenge of SWPL1 has been really really good for me so far Brilliant and then when you talk about that step up you obviously had that experience going through the Celtic Academy and whatnot. so as a, a, a young kid how did that come about how did you end up at Celtic? Um, I just got picked up um, where, just as I left City I think it was maybe just between under 13s and 15s or maybe under 15s and um, I really enjoyed my time at Celtic. It was it was really really helpful for my career, and it gave me first team experience, which yeah. you know looking back on now is you know so valuable, and it also gave me life experience as well. Getting you know so young, being able to do those things and be at a team like Celtic was was fantastic. And um, yeah, no, I'm really grateful for my time there. It was, it was good. Yeah, and like you say, getting into that first team that must have been huge at that time. Yeah, um, but equally absolutely. you you. Played at Scotland as well. Was it under 15s? Was it 15s and 16s? Yeah. yeah. And how did that feel pulling on it, it Scotland was, jersey? Yeah, no, it was it was an ama- it was amazing. I don't think I actually appreciated it until you know when you look back on yeah. it how amazing it was. But no, I, again, such a privilege to play for Scotland, and um, you know it's something I hope that I, through hard work might get to do again one day. Well, that's a nice lead on to my next question. Obviously, I, th- I think the goal for Thistle this year is is to finish in that top six, which would be amazing. Yeah. First of all, the security of not being involved in a relegation battle, but mm-hmm. also just giving you that challenge of playing against the top teams for a wee bit longer in the yeah. season. Um, personal goals for you for the rest of the season, first of all? Personally, um, probably add to my assistant goals numbers and just you know help the team as best I can, um, keep producing positive performances and yeah, just work as hard as we can to maintain being in the top six and even higher if possible. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. And... Um, I've, I've been given permission by the backroom team to mention that you're committed to Thistle for the following season as well, which is just terrific news. I'm sure that the fans will be delighted to hear that. Um, so how did discussions come about with that? No, I, I'm so grateful that um, you know Brian and the coaching staff have given me that platform to sign you know, home for another year. I think the club's fantastic. I've, I've absolutely loved my time so far. And um, I'm really glad to have you know have it cemented down so that keep working for the rest of the season and keep going in preparation for next year, which I'm sure will be even better than this year. Brilliant. And then five years' time, you're still young. 
Is it you're looking for full-time football within would, five years? I would absolutely love to do that, yeah. Full-time football, um, wherever that may be, is 100% the dream and definitely think it's achievable through hard work. Excellent. And you get to that level and then you never know, the international stage might be calling fingers, again, Cara. Fingers crossed. Brilliant. Well, I see that uh, Brian and Doc have got people going through their paces just now. Yes. In fact, uh, Danica's leading it, so I better let you go. Thank, but thank you, you so much, Cara. No, thank you very much. All the best time. and uh, probably see you Sunday. Yes, thank Take you care. so much. Cheers, bye. Thank you very much. Well, David and I are now delighted to be joined in this part of the programme um, by the manager of the SWPL2 do- Top Dogs Gart Cairn, Robert McCallum. Um, Robert, thanks for coming on to SFF Podcast. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, not a problem. Um, for a lot of people who are listening to us and wondering who are Gart Cairn um, Women FC, can you just tell us a little bit about um, the club and how they were formed? Yeah, um, I'll, I'll do it very quickly. I obviously started Gart Cairn way back in 1989. Um, it went through as an amateur club and jumped about as amateur clubs do with, with reincarnating themselves. And the actual academy was formed in 2007 um, with, with, a, with a couple of teams at young boys age groups. Obviously 15 year on, um, we now pretty much have the player pathway for the boys and the girls. And the, the invention or the, the creation of the women's team uh, happened just before COVID kicked in. So we are currently in our 1.3 competitive season. You know, so we're not, we're not quite halfway through this season yet. So we're, so we're, we're nearly one in, one in one third of a competitive season old in, in, in the women's game. You're certainly a team in a hurry because, as, as you mentioned, uh, tw- season 2020 was cancelled after two games, um, which you won both. Um, then 2021, when it revamped to winter, was cancelled completely without kicking a ball. But you yeah. won the SWF Championship um, South, um, having only dropped eight points all season, uh, finishing five clear at Rossville, and currently top of SWPL2. So you are certainly a team in a hurry. What have you thought about the speed of progression? Oh, I know, I know. This the speed of progression it has been. It, it, it's God, I would say it was quite frightening. But you know, last season was an aim um, to be promoted. This season, the aim was obviously um, to stay in the league. You know, and and the results have been going our way so far. Um, it could easily go the next four or five weeks if the results won't go our way. It, the, the league games are that tight. You know. Yeah, you just. Um... You just never know how these things are going to happen. Um, but in terms, in terms of um, your overall ambition for the club, um, I read I read one of your um, one of the articles which stated quite clearly, um, and this was um, before a ball was kicked in SWPL two this season. You want promotion, um, just you know, in terms of um, you know getting promotion to SWPL one. And you know, what is the overall ambition for the, um, the club? Is it getting in there and look to sustain? I'd, I'd need to um, ask you what article that is because obviously the line because I've never publicly stated that we were after promotion. <laughs> no, I never will and I never will do. Right, okay. um, it, it's uh, you know it's it's somewhere that we are one third of a season um, through this league. It, it's a new league. It's competitive. It's, it's probably the most competitive league I've actually been in uh, as a manager. Um, you know, as I say, a one 0 victory could easily be a one 0 loss. And, and quite a lot of these games that we are playing in. So, you know, yes, we have ambitions to be in the top league, just as probably another 20 other teams in this country do. You know, it, it's something that you want to do. Whether whether it's a good idea being in the top league after only being two years old, um, we don't know. You know, budgets and, and ambitions. And, you know, I could take it back from eventually winning the Championship South and knowing that we were going up to watching three games, but, which was a... Um, at the time, the, the team that I was watching was at the bottom of PL2, and I stood back and thought they would absolutely murder us right now, but just because they're, they're faster, faster and stronger than what we were used to last season. You look at the parallels, Robert, because you look at what Glasgow Women are doing in SWPL1 right now, and they're, they're in a precarious position, not exactly doing great, and... That's the formalities of SWPL1 because if you don't have the budgets or resources or whatever have you, you could find yourselves on stuck. So the is that a long is that a long term plan for yourself? It's a long plan day it's a long term plan, David, and that, you know, it's as long as it has to be. You know, if in the next two or three seasons we we do find ourselves in PL one, 
you're, you're hoping for a sugar daddy or, or sugar mummy to come along and, and, and budget you, you, you know, and, and help out that. Budget, budget's king when you, when you get into PL1, it's without a doubt. You know, Andy's doing a fantastic job at Glasgow Women. Um, I, I don't know personally what his budget is, but I know that they are bottom of the league. Um, it will be, it's a step up, you know what I mean? But they'll, they'll learn and, and the girls that are in that team can learn and if they can keep them together next season, I'm pretty sure they'll do well. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of uh, the the promotion, whether it happens this season or years to come, what's it going to take from not just the players but collectively as a club? I think I think the background staff that we've got just now we're, we're pretty focused. You know, tra- trains, training is intense. Um, it's something that when new players come, that they always do say it's like the, the training is a as a step up. Um, the, the guys who are working, including myself, with finances and stuff like that as well, um, we're, we're there. You know, I can never say that we we, we do need a sugar daddy or a sugar mummy um, to, to to push to push the club on. Off the park, you know, the, the academy wise are, are making sure that our next stage is public toilets and a, a, a food kitchen and an actual changing room for uh, females only. So. The plans are there for, for the full academy wise to make sure that it's probably weird because I've got two hats. I'm, I'm the academy kind of creator, stroke owner, stroke chief sweeper upper, you know, so, and, and I'm also the women's manager. So I've got interest in making sure that the girls' pathway works as, as long as, you know, as, as, as well as the boys' pathway works as well. So it's, I suppose, probably it's, it's a bit odd. You know, we're not what you would probably constitute the... Our team is all about the big senior males team, you know, and, and that trend trickles down the way. It's more the academy is about the younger kids and it filters up the way, you know? I might be wrong here, uh, Rob, but am I correct in saying your, your, uh, your girls get semi-professional contracts or am I thinking of a completely different club here? No, you're right. We've got um, two at the moment. Um Two, two young girls on a professional contract. Uh, we, we took that on board from the fact that it would probably be easier being younger girls with, with tax and all the rest of it. And it's something that we, we thought would be a, a decent idea to do when the young girls are going through either uni or um, going through school, where they obviously get exam pressures to do. So they've got the exam pressures, they're trying to get a part-time job or they've got a part-time job. And then they're trying to fit in football as well. So we've kind of came along and went, well, why don't we make a part-time job football? So that takes one of these away from you. Yeah, from the, from the outset, um, I mean, looking at the league table just now and look at the teams in this league, I mean, what you girls, uh, what your girls are achieving is nothing short of remarkable. First season in SWPL2 and up against teams who have, you know, Real affiliation to some of the their senior men's clubs, like Mo, you know, Montrose are one that are um, looking to put some money in, in the club. St Johnston, Queens Park, Kilmarnock, they, you know, they can rely on some funding from their um, their men's team as well. But for you, for you to be top of the league, um, I think it's just incredible. What is it going to take to make sure you get promotion? I listen a lot of luck. Um, we've got a couple of a couple of signings which which may help. You know, but you've obviously got Montrose who've, who've signed big and, and you know, their, their own gaffer admits that they can only, that if they even play at 50% of their level, they'll win this league easily. So you've got to say that they're going to win the league, but I can't. Um, you know, you, you've got the likes of Kilmarnock and Queen's Park. Queen's Park are on fire just now. You know, and, and other teams in the league can, can quite easily go in that five or six game run as well. If you've got a, a striker, you know, like Abby Callan and for, for Queen's Park is just... Everything she touches is going to get in the back of the net at the moment, you know. So a lot of luck. Um, you know, you need to try and stay as injury free and as suspension free as you possibly can. We have got a decent size squad, a decent enough size squad that gives me a headache every week. That's for sure. Trying to trying to pick your your eighteen. Um, and and we'll listen. We'll see where we are. You know, we're in that winter month. Carry on. There's a lot of games we've got in January. You know, if we get through January, still sitting where we are, then you know you're starting to get at the business end of the season, sitting at the top, and and then it's pressure. You know, how how do the players and of course the coaches deal with the pressure? 
And how much did playing in the cup against Motherwell give you a taste for um, you know, getting into the top flight? Because Motherwell have been doing um, okay in the league, and it was still tight up until eighty six minutes. You know, I said we, we became there. It's, it's one of these when the draw came out. You know, Paul, Paul texting and Leanne was uh, another coach of mine is Kenny, and I think we've played Motherwell. It's either it's definitely two. It might be three times in friendlies now um, in pre season. You know, I, I've been away for two. I'm not saying much if it was two or three. And, and when the draw came out, we were like, oh my God, no, you guys again. You know, but friendlies are different. You know, you, everybody just tinkers about with friendlies. So it was an interesting, competitive game. Um, you know, you, you think as a coach, you're doing you're doing well. It's obviously you're playing Premier League opposition. So it's about the first 10 minutes, try and keep it, try and keep it as tight as you can. And, and we got to 30 um, and, and Mai's lost a really scrappy goal. It should have been. It should have been avoidable. It should have been avoided, and and, and quite a few t- a few times, but it wasn't. It? Um, over the piece, you're right. It got to 86 minutes. Um, probably about 10 minutes into the second half, we had a we had the chance. You know, but when when uh, Emily saved it, I turned around to my coaches and meant that was the chance. That, if that went in, it would have been a totally different ball game. But we missed. And, and of course, it went to 86 minutes and, and Motherwell scored two, just as the girls were pushing. And, and I'd made all the subs as well just to get everybody on the pitch. It was a rather cold night. So it was a good experience. Um, Motherwell deserved to win easily. You know, the, the 3-0 scoreline, probably, the, uh, when you look at the stats that I've seen in, in Dio, they had 20-plus shots at goal. You know, so we, we loved a charm life that day. But... You know, that's what it's all about. And you, you dig in and hopefully you can get that type of result. I'm just glad we didn't get destroyed. You know, last year we played Hibs in our first time and, and the Scottish Cup and they absolutely annihilated us. Yeah, that, that's, the th- that's the thing. You, um, you kept the score down, um, which is possibly the main thing. Um, now, I'll, um, I'll just um, round off. You've got the, um, a game against Stirling University, MTC Park on Sunday. Um, they're obviously currently sitting second bottom that you take in lately. Um, and, you know, with uh, you know with some of the other fixtures that are going on, how crucial is it that you get the three points in this game? Listen, every game's crucial. And, and you know, you, you sit there and, and most people, if you're, if you're not following any of the football, um, you know, you, you will say Stirling Uni, second bottom, we're top. If you if, if you were allowed to bet on it, you'd be betting money on it to say that we would win with it at home. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, still in uni are a very very dogged team, and when we played them over there, found them quite hard to break down. And um, Big Shanna up top is a right handful, and you know then she's playing for still in uni. She's joint top goal scorer just now in the league. She she's a handful. She's a talent. Um, so it, it could be a hard game. You know, it's as I say, it's one of these games that hopefully we will get through, but. Every game's difficult, you know, East Fife at the bottom. I think it was about 86 minutes before we scored our goal when we played them at home as well. It's, the teams are hard to break down when they, when they want to be. They're well organised. Yeah, well, um, good luck for, um, you know, the game at the weekend and then um, for the rest of the season. Um, and listen, Robert, thanks very much for your time and helping um, come on and speak to SFF Podcast. And Dave, thanks for your help again. No worries, guys. Thanks for the time. Thanks to Karen Robert for their time. Uh, on to SWPL2 now. So we also heard from um, Robert McCallum there. Um, the, but if you're an outsider, um, you look at the top of the SWPL table, you see Gart Cairn there ahead of names like St. Johnston, Queen's Park, Command, even Montrose. Um, it is a bit of a surprise story. And they've only been going since 2020 as well, which is quite incredible. They seem as though they seem in a hurry. Stuart, I'll bring you in first. I mean, I'm not surprised in the same sense because I'd be given a little bit of insight a couple of seasons ago when, when Garkir were trying to get things through um, and their record this season being absolutely fantastic. They deserve to be there. And I mean, it's similar for Montrose as well. And again, recruitment has been a, a really strong factor in it all as well. I mean, the one thing about SWPL2 is it, it never lets you down for a bit of drama and that entertainment as well. And it's just sometimes so unpredictable. And I mean, that's it's great. I mean, I know a lot of the times that the SWPL1 can take the headlines and that can get a lot of the focus, but there's some brilliant, brilliant work being done and being done down there as well. Um, I St. Johnston, I feel a bit for them because, again, 
on the opposite of saying the word stability has been a, there's been a bit of instability, um, not just this season, but then you know the, over the last couple of years as well. With there was a lot of things said about the setup and things like that, and it's been hard for them at times to sort of just find that platform that they can continue to build from too. Um, but I mean, overall this season, I mean, again, we're talking about all the drama we're going to have towards the top of SWPL one and the bottom. I mean, the top of SWPL2 is similarly just going to be as engaging as, as everything else is happening across both leagues. I think it's really interesting um, for, for parallels between the game in, in Scotland and England. If you look at the the, the championship in, in England, it's just as wild. It's, uh, you used the word unpredictable there, Stuart, and that's, that's the only word for it. Um, you know, consistently, that, that, that league down in England is, is, is um, yeah, anyone's guess. Um, I think Garrett Cairn, I've, my eldest son, um, was playing there, must be about a, a year and a half ago. I was really impressed by the setup they have there. It's, uh, you know, a real community hub, very well used and great to see youth teams, uh, using it throughout the week and the women's team also use it as well as, uh, as well as the men's team. Um, I, I always keep a, well, over this season, been keeping an eye on their results in particular because Dion Brown made the move from Thistle over to Garrett Cairn. Um, she is definitely one for a, a, the occasional worldie. Uh, she likes to hit a, a strike from distance and usually succeeds. Uh, if you've not seen her highlight, highlight reel, then uh, make a point of doing so. But also, interestingly, and I, I don't know if you guys were aware of this, but uh, Mary Hawksworth, who's at Garrett Cairn now, um, she was the first uh, female uh, Thistle player to be inducted into the Partick Thistle Hall of Fame. Um, so uh, Mary's a, a bit of a hero in, in Mary Hill. So it's, it's lovely to see Gart Cairn doing well. It really is. Yeah, they certainly are doing very well. Um, but uh, Montrose, David, I'm bringing you in from the um, northeast point of view. Um, Montrose seem to be um, a team ambitious to go up as well because I mean they brought in London Pollard, um, which you know did not see happening because I thought London Pollard could play for most teams in the um, the top flight, um, and they've obviously signed Lauren Gordon from Aberdeen as well. Um, they did an impressive win at the weekend in the cup, twelve um, 0 the beat Gart Cairn just before the break there. Um, are they capable of overhauling Gart Cairn? 100%. Uh, I think it's going to be an interesting title race between both Montrose and Gart Cairn because Gart Cairn saw a lot of promise with so did Montrose. Montrose have had a slightly longer route uh, to try to get to the top flight in comparison to, to Gart Cairn because they've been going about for, for a few years. Then Montrose were uh, on the go about just probably just under a decade ago. But didn't have any real guidance or leadership in all honesty. Craig Farrows has came at Montrose having been at Cove because Craig Farrows had previously been manager at Cove Rangers woman and had the same ambitions at Cove as he, as he had did at Montrose. It just never worked for Craig at Montrose. Uh, Cove, pardon me. And he, Craig went to Montrose and got promotion at a counter and doing very, very well in SWPL2. They picked up a very good you know, win uh, recently against Scott Care, uh, funnily enough. Um, we've got a lot of quality in the final third, or there's seven in the final third with Warren Gordon and London Pollard coming in. London Pollard now officially in at the club. Uh, funnily enough, I think Montrose would have been top had they not had three points deducted for playing London as a trialist against uh, Burnham-Muir uh, back in October. Uh, they've also got Amy Ridgway who scored 30 or 40 goals in the Championship last year for Montrose so they've got a lot of quality in, in that area Charlotte Gabby can't be undermined as well because Charlotte Gabby I know her from Fawford and Charlotte didn't actually score in my time at Fawford I don't think but the step down has proved to be quite good for her because she's scoring goals again and uh, obviously proving to be a real threat for Montrose as well but defensively they're very very good as well and they've got good, two good goalkeepers Anna Blanchard and, and Beth Mowat who are both as good as each other on their day midfield wise they're very very good as well so they've got a lot of quality Montrose yeah and you had been waiting on the 4 for Farmington links as well John <laughs> and you'd be waiting I'm, I'm going to throw in uh, Megan Burns as well back in the back line the United captain from SWPL2 championship winning Dundee United too I mean, a lot yeah, of very good player. Yeah. yeah, very good player. Very tidy in the ball. 
Yeah, and I think that that, that kind of signing's a master stroke. You know, someone that went through it so recently as well, like last season, and and to bring that that kind of caliber of defender in as well is sometimes that kind of foundation that you need. Um, so yeah, I think like you say, there's there's names throughout the Montrose side as well. The Gart Cairn run this season's been fantastic as well, and I, d- I don't see it letting up at any point either. So we're in for a really fine finish to SWPL two. Well, so I think uh, Froze is a little bit enthusiastic as well, considering his post-match comments recently, uh, which I, I think is good. I think it's good to have that level of optimism, but at exactly the same time, I'd be keeping comments that he's went and said in-house, but it's up to Craig, I suppose. Yeah, um, and below them, you've got um, a seven-point gap between Montrose and St. Johnson, who are third, and St. Johnson to Burham Muir. Um, there's another five points between St. Johnson, Queen's Park, um, Commander on Burham Muir. Um, Queen's Park seemed to have recovered from a poor start. Craig Joyce, um, you know, did remarkably well to get Glasgow women up last season. Um, I know he'll have ambitions to do similar for Queen's Park, might take a year or two. Do you think there's any hope that any of those um four sides can um get it back into this title race, or do you think that um it's just looking like a two horse race right now? To start things off from a Johnston perspective, they've got to go to Montrose on Wednesday night. And that's going to be massive for St. Johnston. I think it's a bigger game for St. Johnston than it is for Montrose. There's a massive game for Montrose as well because it might be horrible wrong here, but I think it's, I think it's their game in hand, uh, which if, if they go on with that, Montrose obviously puts a kick for us side in a very, very good position. So that's going to be rather interesting as far as that's concerned. But uh, obviously, obviously all the sides that are in the hunt, such as uh, Queen's Park, Kilmarnock and, and Burnham-Muir all have a say in this as well. The Dungeon ran away with a title like I can't last year, but the hunt for second place w- was very much alive because I think Glasgow women had to get a, I think it was a late winner. Uh, I might be horrible wrong here. I think they had to get a late winner to beat Burnham-Muir uh, last season. So that was rather interesting. Uh, season, yeah. yeah, last game of the season. So that's how compelling it was last year. And uh, see, I think... I think it's interesting. Uh, and there's only five points separating Johnson and Montrose, so that's how massive Wednesday is. Obviously, Montrose have uh, priorities uh, such as going to Barnabier, first and foremost. But so Johnson, they've got a, a tough game against Kilmarnock. Uh, subsequently, they've got them in the Cups. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, it's a big week for some clubs. Yeah, I think I said seven points. I meant five. My apologies. My maths is terrible. Vinny, do you want to come in? Uh, no, I, I think it's just going to be really interesting um, for, for for this run-in. I, just talking about Montrose and, and Gart Cairn, regardless, they'll obviously be champions out of those two, um, but uh, I don't think anyone will fancy playing either of those teams uh, come come the playoff um, when, when it comes to that. Um, yeah, you, you look at the, the form of those teams at the bottom of SWPL one at the moment, and uh, yeah, they will not look forward to a playoff with either of those teams. So it's yeah, it's, it's shaping up to be a, a brilliant second half of the season all over. Yeah, it should be a, um, an interesting running um, between now and end of season SWPL two, and we will um, keep a good eye on it. Um, right, we'll get predictions for this weekend's SWPL one matches. Um, so we'll go in um, alphabetical order in terms of the games, not the kickoff times this time. So Aberdeen versus Hamilton, it's um, live on BBC Alba, and I believe it's um, Hamilton's first game on Alba. Um, how do you guys see this one going? Score prediction, please. Not just a home win, away win, draw. Can I be optimistic? Can I be optimistic towards Aberdeen and say two one to Aberdeen? I I'm I'm going to be really boring. I'm going to go for a score draw. I'm going to say uh, two each. I think the viewers would be happy with a two each, Vinny. I mean, maybe not either side, but any neutral watching, but happy to see an entertaining score draw. I think it's going to be cagey and tight. I think it's going to be that kind of game because there's so much riding on it. Um, I'm probably going to go one one. Um, Aberdeen, you know, will want to use home advantage though. They'll, they'll want to make that count, and I think what we were speaking about with, with, with Gav Levy doing his his side of things to just try and settle things down after what's been a wee bit a turbulent couple of months, and especially you know you look at the, the kind of the break over Christmas and New Year as well. I know we've been a bit used to it in a couple of years, but. It's just been hard for any team across the leagues to try and get that sort of run and a bit of consistency going. 
but I'm going 1 1 for Aberdeen Hamilton on, on Sunday afternoon. I'm going to be extremely optimistic um, being an Aberdeen supporter. I'm going to go 3-1 Aberdeen, um, a reverse scoreline of the fixture um, earlier on in the season. Um, and if um, the men's team aren't playing well at Hamden on uh, Sunday, then I might just um, leave Hamden early and <laughs> go watch the, um, the women on um, on Alba. So we'll wait and see what happens, but um, hopefully Aberdeen women do the job. Um, Dundee United versus Glasgow City at Gussie Park. Um I think most are going to be pointing out a wee win, but what's the score going to be? Five low Glasgow, five low Glasgow City. I'll, I'll go for a 3 0 City for that one. I'm going with any 3 0 City. Right, I'll go slap bang in the middle and go 4 0. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> wait and see how that goes. Um, Glasgow win versus Celtic. This almost seems harsh to try and predict this one. Um, what do you think the scoreline going to be? I hope it's seven not Celtic. Was, was that four, Dave? I'm going to go higher. Seven. Higher or lower? Higher. Uh, I'm, going to go, I'm, I'm going to go for eight. I think it'll be eight. I think it's going to be a, a really heavy one for, for Glasgow women, I'm afraid. Stuart? Really interested to see how Celtic approach the, the match. Uh, obviously, with us, Alarisi, and um, we spoke about earlier about the talent throughout the team, but I'm just wondering... We've we've touched on Celtic's youth. There would be a couple of players that might get a start against Glasgow women. Would that be possibly be the 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 moment that Fran Alonso chooses just to try and see who's ready for you know consistent first team starts in, in football? I think I'm going to go four 0 Celtic. Well, I'm going to be very harsh. Um, I'm going to go for Celtic repeating their scoreline at Falkirk. So um, I think the Glasgow women. Um, Manager Andy Garner, you can just play this podcast, play it to your um, team, and use that as ammunition to park the bus. So, um, I hope I'm I hope I'm wrong. That's not as much as that. Um, so now on to the game that Stuart is commentating on: Hearts versus Rangers, live on BBC Scotland Online. Um, we won't ask Stuart for his prediction. Dave and Vinny, what's your thoughts? I'm going to go for three-one Rangers. Yeah, I think Hearts will score, so I'm going to go two-one Rangers and go um, 2-0 Rangers, which I believe was a score early in the season. Um, and now, the next two matches are between the four sides who are vying for um, the top six posi- the two top six positions. So, Motherwell versus Hibs, so it was 3-2 Motherwell early in the season um, at Middle Bank. Um, will it be a repeat outcome for them, or will Hibs get their revenge? Um, what do you think, gentlemen? I think Hibs have got their act together. I think Hibs have got their act together a little bit recently. They've picked up some credible results, including beat Glasgow City. Uh, and they were lucky against City and subsequently in the league as well. Uh, I, I, I fancy Hibs in this one. Uh, I, I know it's going to be a tough one because uh, revenge will be in Dean Gibson's mind a little bit. Uh, I, I think it'll be tight, but I'm going to go 2-1 Hibs. A uh, draw will do Thistle nicely here, so I'm going to go for one each. I'm going 2-1 Hibs. Well, I'm going to go in the fence also. I'm going to go with Desmond 2-2 in this one. Um, Partick Thistle versus Spartans. Um, Vinny, might as well come to you first in this one. Um, I'm guessing what side that you're going to predict. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm obviously hoping for a, a Thistle victory. As you've heard from Cara, um, it's a game that they want three points from. They maybe expect three points from. It's going to be really tight. I'm really excited about Sunday's game. Uh, I think Thistle are going to edge it. Though. I'm going to say 2-1 Thistle. Well, this game came up in the SFF predictor, John, and I put 3-1 <laughs> Thistle, so I'm going to stick with that and go for Brian, Gra- Brian Graham's side to come out victorious. At the risk of upsetting Vinny, 2-2. <laughs> Um, I'm going to um, go 2-1 Thistle as well. I think I put that in the predictor. I can't remember, but um, we'll wait and see. It should be an interesting game. Um, but listen, thank you, Stuart, Vinny and David, for your time. Um, that's it for our latest SWPL show. Um, and we aim to bring you more SWPL content over the coming weeks. Um, but for now, thanks very much for listening. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.